You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Welcome back, folks. Coming at you with another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. We're the only podcast in the galaxy that all of a sudden doesn't have any more material for another month, I think. Uh, Just kidding. We actually do have some stuff planned. Uh, I'm excited because uh, this in-between gives us a chance to like go back to... Uh, kind of this podcast is just like, hey, let's just talk about whatever Star Wars related things there. So we are going to do some Tales of the Jedi, maybe. Um, but after that, maybe uh, just some like, hey, let's talk to some cool people and see what they think about Star Wars, because I like it. Uh, I'm Nathan, one of your hosts, also known as NP Bro, And my co-host today, as always, is my good buddy, Jonathan cone of youtube infamy go watch his channel he puts out videos on books lots of books not just star wars you will learn something he is very brilliant man and he is a huge nerd today we are discussing (coughs) (laughs) we're discussing uh, the last kind of arc the last three episodes uh kind of the wrap-up of andor uh the prison break episode uh one way out and then you had daughters of ferrix and then you had what was the last one Rick's Road. Rick's Road. Rick's that's Road. right. That's right. Yes. Rick's Road. <laughs> so I, um, listen, there's no getting around it. Like I have so many thoughts because just of the, ima- like, it, I just can't, I can't say it all at once. Let me throw it to you, Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> you probably have a whole, whole lot of thoughts to say. We haven't, we, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of like YouTubers who are just like, eh, there's not much to break down and or like this happened and this happened, whatever. Lies. And it's not conducive to reviews. I'm like, guys, <laughs> no, no, there's so, so much. It's amazing. So, um, take it away from Take the wheel there, Jonathan. People might think that we feel that way because we have not been doing week-to-week reviews. We only did episodes like once every like three or two or three episodes. That is not to Mm -hmm. say that the episodes didn't have enough to talk about them. That is just saying that we are just so out of out of use. We 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 were weekly for like a year and a half, and then it just we we just dropped the ball. Um, uh, And so we really could talk. For like about each one of these episodes, we have to be careful tonight episode. not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to be careful not to go too long because these. So we'll have, we'll save some of our discussions for a later episode. But we there's so much to discuss, and we just I, I feel I, I feel I dropped the ball not not carving out more time for this uh, because these were so good, and really we should have done episode ten when we did episode eight and nine because those three all went together with the, the prison break mm. and then episodes right. 11 and 12 go together. But I'm excited because episode 10 and episode 12 are some of the best of the series, particularly episode yeah. 10. I, for me, uh, I think epi- for a few reasons, episode 12 might be your favorite. I'm, I, we haven't talked, we have not talked about this at all. We really haven't, but you don't know. I'm, you really don't know. So maybe I'm wrong, but episode 10 is my by far favorite of the series and possibly one of the best, like, it's up there for one of the best episodes of live-action Star Wars television. Like, I'm thinking it's up there with the episode of The Mandalorian where Luke shows up. Maybe not above that for most people, but it's in that range. Mm-hmm. It's in the range of the heiress for me, um, in the range of uh, that 
the first couple Mandalorian episodes. So it just it's really high up there for me. Uh, it's so hard to compare those. It is. They're so they're so different. We're, we're shows. talking about something, yeah. But such I'm just a saying, style. this is just like that. Like I I felt like I I watched one scene from that episode just now before we started recording, and I started getting goosebumps because it just affected me so much because it was such a well executed scene. Like there's. Uh, part of the reason the Mandalorian worked was they would do setup and payoffs in each episode. It was a setup. He's got a uh, the rescue. The, the villagers are in trouble. Payoff. He teaches the villagers how to fight. It was all in that episode. Or it was a setup. He's got to uh, do this heist with the Mandalorians. Payoff. They do the heist. So it was always within mm-hmm. an episode. We had three episodes yeah. where we our characters were put through the ringer. In the prison, and we were just like, like they brought us down, down in hopes, and they just made us so sad and so hopeless. Mm -hmm. And we thought there's no way our prisoners can, or our our characters can escape, even though they did. And we knew that they, at least Cassian and Melshi would get out because we've seen them again. Yet, we still were worried, we were still on the edge of our seat, and we started even caring not just for them, but for the other characters, these other prisoners, who probably, some mm. of them did atrocious crimes. Some of them probably did atrocious crimes, and yet, and yet we're okay mm. with that, because we, they, they all, the writers got us a feel for them. That's why that episode worked. Daughters of Ferrix was a great episode, but it just can't possibly compare, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then the finale, oh, mm-hmm. There was so much. Yeah. When you you texted me what made you kind of giddy with the finale, and I sell, told my dad, what do you think Nathan went crazy about? And the second it <laughs> happened, the second, they weren't even done introducing this thing, and my dad said, oh, <laughs> oh, Nathan loved that. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I did. You know. <clears throat> so creative, when we, too. When we, yeah. We can talk about that. If for anybody who's guessing... Uh, it was the marching band. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. The uh, yeah, I loved I loved it so much. But I I think you're you're starting out like we kind of have to talk about um, one way out, mm-hmm. aka uh, Narkina Five Redemption. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have to talk about that, and then we can talk about the last two episodes. Yep. So let's kind of get through that, and then we can talk about the kind of the wrap up stuff. Yeah. But like, you talked about the you know the setup. And everybody loves a good prison break kind of story. Uh, man, it was it was all of the payoff based off of how slow things were and how re- redundant, repetitive, like all of the daily mundaneness was. We didn't get you said there could be bad people, but we didn't ever meet bad to my knowledge. All of the people we were introduced to that were prisoners, they seemed like pretty good people. Pretty good guys, Maybe and a lot of them could have been, but not anything like churches. Sure. Like we weren't meeting like axe murderers. Like yeah. we weren't meeting those types yeah. of people. We were meeting thieves and people who had maybe I don't know gotten into fender benders or some stuff. Ah, uh, could have just been that they said the wrong thing in front of a stormtrooper. Right? You know? Yeah. Clearly, that's that's you know part of what it was, and we <coughs> really we didn't kind of circle back. To the whole, uh, uh, what was it that the Imperial Requisition Oversight, uh, the one that allowed them to increase all of the 
uh, prison sentences. Oh yeah, the the legislation. The legislation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one that Mon Mothma was opposing uh, and trying to yes, get the other yes. senators to oppose. They didn't really talk about it, so maybe we're going to get some more of that, or maybe it was just kind of used as a kind of plot device to explain the overreach and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, man, they they really really sold the relationships. Yep. They made you care about people like. Like Kino Loy is is gonna be like one of those people. Like if he shows back up, oh. people will lose it. They'll be so excited. Like this show didn't um, do many like Easter eggs or references, but it set up future shows that if he ever came up, it would it sets up that Easter egg and reference. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, he, needs, he, he needs to, and it's because Andy Circus was such a great character. He was such a great reveal to everyone who didn't know. Like it just mm-hmm. it worked. So well, and he and he just crushed it in the role, and I think he had fun with it. I think this was like the first time in Star Wars he was like, "Yeah, this is pretty good." Man. Yeah, just the the humanity of some of these these characters. They're they're real in a way that that's nitty gritty, and Star Wars needed that that type of uh, just development on the on the day to day. I would say like we're not kind of romanticizing these characters the way that you would like a Han Solo or a Luke. Right. Or even to me, like a Thrawn. Like, you know, everybody's very human and what they're doing seems very plausible. The amount of thought that went into this, like the details of the prison break and the amount of guys that died that just, they are willing to try. They knew. And that, that quote that, you know, basically that I think Andrew, he quotes, or Kino Lloyd quotes it later, but Andor told him, you know, I'd rather die fighting than, you know, spend out my days doing here what they want me to do. Like, I'm going to die trying to get out if I have to. That's brilliant. It was a great, great quote, and I loved him when he, when he quoted that. So when we talk about, like, um, just this whole prison stuff, did you know I had a weird thought? When uh, Rogue One, did you recall when, <laughs> when Cassian gets, like, Captured by, uh, um, <clears throat> not what's his face, Saul. Uh, Saul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he gets thrown in prison with the uh, the pilot, and the pilots, and like Cassian makes this offhanded remark, like, "I've never, I've never been in a prison before," or something like that. Really? I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Wait, what?" what? <laughs> He's like, "Maybe, maybe you're just thinking like that prison." that you were in was a lot different for this, or you're just writing off the Narkina five thing. Or, in your or yeah, maybe he's, different. Uh, he's trying to block that part out of his, that I, I'd be interested in seeing if that's the actual line. Cause you should, you should watch that, watch that scene again. Cause I was thinking back to, I was like, didn't he make that comment or something like that? Um, cause that kind of throws it into, Hey, here's, here's a, a hot take right here. Yeah. The actor, actress for Dead Ramiro. Yeah. Okay. She needs to win an Emmy. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure she will or that she necessarily needs to. Um, I think that there are House of the Dragon. I think that she could be nominated, but I think there are House of the Dragon actresses that might deserve the Emmy more. I think Olivia Cook. Well, I think Olivia Cook. Earned the Emmy. There's this arguments. Time. Yeah, there, there's, she, there's. She okay. killed it. <laughs> But um, but you're right. The actress who played Deidre Miro did a phenomenal job with what she was given. If she was in more episodes, if she was more prominent, and if she had, she was prominent, she but was, but she not, would still she might be as a side character. But 
what about what about the finale where she's having this emotional breakdown with Cyril Karn? And that you was know a, her hair that shaking. Was so she's well, so well acted. Yes, really, really well acted. And this that that was the moment I was like, okay, wow, this is the villain that I cheer for. You know, she's she's phenomenal, and her her character. You understand her character, and really all of the characters after watching this, I understand them so much better. But her character is somebody that really loves her job and wants to be the best at it. Yeah. And whether or not she loves the emperor or she's just kind of in it for promotion, she really loves that she's good at her job <coughs> and wants to do it right. And when you see that fear kind of that she has in the finale, it's it's such a good thing for her character to show that. Um, and great, great acting, like I said. I'm a huge fan. Love the character. Cyril Karn, that's a character I'm not sure where I feel about after the season, but there's a lot more ground left to be, you know, gun- taken with his character. It, it feels so we'll, like we'll kind of see. I would say of all the like the the main cast, he got the least to do in the final episode, and I feel like he he needed a lot more. Like Deidre, they did just enough with. She got everything she needed. Mm-hmm. Cassian. Bix, they got what they needed. Luthen didn't need much. All of his was in that finale scene. Like you, you did not need more. With mm-hmm. His episode was in ten when he had that line, that that dialogue. Ten and eleven. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. Didn't, he oh didn't my gosh! Need... The scene. Yeah, we'll talk about that. In a second. Uh, we didn't even talk. We have to talk about okay, that we'll scene. Yeah. About but, but he didn't. So like, we're going through all these actors. All of these actors had enough to do, but I feel like Cyril. It was a. Uh, Hey, we need to do something with him. And he was still integral uh, to the series. I still think we needed him. Um, maybe I would have handled some of his stuff a little bit differently in the series. Uh, but still, I just think it's that ending. He just he just needed a little bit more. There's no way that they don't have more plans. Oh, for sure. Season two is going to be the Cyril <coughs> Karn, like, turn around his story. Because all of this setup, all of this, like, him just hanging out with his mom, yeah. eating cereal... <laughs> Talking about his hopes and his dreams, Cereal trying card. to break the mold. He's trying to, yeah, he's trying to go and like, he's breaking out of his shell, mm-hmm. um, and his so-called like uh, workspace. You know, little uh, kind of '90s, whatever they call it. Uh, what do they call those things? I'm so glad we don't have any more cubicles. Cubicles. <laughs> he's breaking out his cubicle. You know, whereas like, I think. Uh, Cassian, you know, they have to break out of prison. Cassian's whole arc is, gosh, the first time that he and, you know, they they sit down and he's basically only agreeing to to do this job because of the money. Mm. You know, they have to, he has to be convinced. He's like, I'm out. And his whole arc is, you know, getting him to the point to where in Rogue One he can say, I've been in this fight since I was six. And him realizing that he's been in this fight with the Empire his whole life. And there's no running from it. And... He's going to keep this fight no matter where and how long. And basically that last scene, I feel like with him and Luthen, that's where that, like we see the 180 of where his character's been. Yeah. So that's the, that's the Andor story. I love that. Um, I feel like a lot man. of people thought that episode, I, I, I think that people going into this series thought that episode, after episode three when he goes with Luthen, they thought that episode four would have... Mm-hmm. Cassian in the same place 
that Cassian is, he is now is now at the end of the season. That's where everyone they were like, all right, we're gonna get rebel stuff. We're gonna get Cassian doing um, uh, building the rebellion. We're gonna see Mon Mothma going to 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 Yavin. We're gonna see all this stuff happening. And I'm like, I would have expected us to be there too. So I'm taking. I'm a little bit surprised by this turn, but I think that we're going to appreciate the next season more because yes. they kind of like with no, House of the that's, Dragon. That's we spent exactly so much, right. We spent so much time in House of the Dragon build up so that at the end of the season we had the beginning of the Dance of the Dragons. Here we're getting all this build up so that when <clears> he turned and when he's decided to join the rebellion, you feel it's earned and you feel okay, I am with you now. I am I am I am invested in this. So many people said, "Oh, we can't do anything with him." He already he dies, so why do why do I care? But now this series made us care, and season two is gonna yep. finally provide all those Easter eggs, provide all those moments that pop. I am one hundred percent somebody that wasn't as attached to Andor. Yep, because I know where his character ends. Mm-hmm. When I when I go back now and watch Rogue One, I'm gonna be so much more invested. I love the character now. I really do. Yeah. And I did not know that I'd be able to say that, but I really appreciate him. I'm going to be like, give us more Cassian. He needs more to do in this film. Exactly. Like, he really needs more. Um, <clears throat> and I still want to know a little bit more about K2SO and the meeting. That was fun. Um, let, me, let me give you some things, some overall, like, the Empire. Would you, would you not say that, one, this is the probably the most uh, overreaching depiction most terrifying depiction of the empire we've seen as far as just absolute trampling of rights just absolutely <coughs> going in and dominating <laughs> you all right sorry <laughs> so i I'm, I'm almost like v for vendetta vibes yeah with the the big brother style empire that we're getting i think that can uh, you oh sorry i just appreciate that so much can you Add anything to what you saw? Are you seeing the same parallels? Well, it is a, a very tough thing to do, but they managed to do it where they portrayed the Empire in two ways. As the most egregious, overbearing, overreaching government that's like, okay, these guys are bad. But then they also did an amazing job of make you understand why. And make you think... I, I would under, if I was in that place I might like if I was in Deidre's uh, shoes or if I worked for the ISB I would I would agree with what they're doing like they did it's so hard to thread the needle it's easy to to portray yourself in villain's shoes if they're not that villainous and it's also really easy to make someone just super bad super evil super villainous but to combine the two to make you understand it and like go with it like like that's why so many people loved Infinity War is because Thanos worked so well. That's why. Yes. That's why he was sympathetic. This works so well is because you understand Cyril. He represents one wing of the empire, imperial thought. You understand Deidre. You understand uh, Partagas. You understand maybe even uh, an interesting p- perspective. Perrin, uh, the husband of Mon Mothma. You understand him, and mm-hmm. he represents this wing of the empire that's okay with all the security. They're okay with um, uh, giving up their rights and whatnot. And so, you you do they do such a good job of making you empathize while at the same time realize these guys are nuts. They're going way too far. Like it, 
it could have gone into the cheesy overboard at any point, and it never felt cheesy. It never felt overboard. It felt like they were doing just the right <clears> amount <throat> on, and balancing really well. It was like balancing on a tightrope. It was, and they and they were able to do it. Hmm. I think so. I I really was worried about the imperial betray portrayal. Yeah. And after this, not only am I a fan, I think it's one of the absolute best mm-hmm. that we've gotten. And I I'm really really glad that I'm able to say that. Um, <clears throat> in in some ways, I think this is an example of why the empire needs the death star so badly. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> do you know do you know what I'm what I'm getting at is that they they see how they're having to overreach. They see that they're having to threaten. They're going to get obviously probably more incidents like the Ferex incident. Um, th- well, there's probably two Ferex incidents now. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this the, is this is the something Ferex incident and the Ferex incident. It's like yeah. the suicide squad. Yeah. Yeah, this is not an incident. This is, this is an uprising. Um, and word of this is, is going to get out. Mm-hmm. But the Empire is in this place where they, they know they don't, they don't have enough uh, to really police and over-police everybody. And that, that fear element that the Death Star would give them, mm-hmm. even though like nobody's going to call their bluff and be like, well, you won't <coughs> just blow up. All the planets, you know, <laughs> even though they probably could, you know, they, they blow up Alderaan, they, you know, in the future. But the thing is, they need that. The Empire is working so hard for that. And without that, um, they're really they're really a blunt instrument that's in a lot of ways rubbing people the way that they're like, OK, this is going to be very costly on every front. And the only way for us to really kind of assert dominance is this ultimate super weapon that everybody's afraid of. And until that's on the table, they're in this place of, of somewhat weakness. Um, so, <clears throat> talking about uh, more in episode 10. Incredible performance from Andy Serkis. Of course. Incredible performance. Um, I, loved, I loved his speech over the intercom so much. Oh, me too. Really meaningful. That's, that's the best part of the episode mm. for me. As some people say, it's um, Stellan Skarsgård's performance at the end of the episode. His speech. Um, they say that's better. I personally mm-hmm. connected more with Kino's, but I feel like Stellan's was also very good. But the the way that you know, because he's he's just like coming up with this stuff, and he's just he's not he's not used to being on a big intercom like this. He's used <clears> to just <throat> having fifty guys that he's working with, and the fact that he's giving the speech while knowing he can't swim, it's not like he gets there and it's like, oh shoot, there's water here. Darn, I'm not going to be able to get out. Like, he knows well, he can't swim, and yet he still fights so hard to escape because he knows that the rest of them need to. It's just such a good mm. such a good setup and payoff. Maybe, I mean, maybe he's thinking somebody's going to get out with a, you know, a shuttle or something. They're going to come pick us up, and I can just wait, or... I'll just break, you know, I'll, I'll get out. We'll sneak onto the next shuttlecraft. There's got to be some craft that's here on the station. Like there's got to be some way to get off some kind of emergency escape pod or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll just look for that. That's, that's how they write it. But you're probably right. He knows that he's all in. And even if he's only doing it for other, for everybody else. Um, Cause he knows at this point that they really aren't getting out. Yeah. Um, and that, that whole mind game 
when you explore that mind game in the way that this show did, you really, you really, really sell it to your audience in a way so effective. Like, of, like, what is it like to be a prisoner? And that's your whole existence. And like, you <coughs> see the same walls. You see this. You do the same job. The same people. You're trapped in this endless cycle. And then you find out I'm never getting out. And just the, the insanity that that would drive a person's thought to. So loved it. Absolutely great. Um, I did love the whole plant thing. That was a really big surprise to me. With um, so it was, the guy it was that a he surprise, but like I was like, of all the characters that they would have <clears throat> used as a plant, he was the only one that fit. Like they're not going to make mm-hmm. a Deidre. They're not going to make it that other guy that was arguing with Deidre. It's not going to be part of Gas. So like, who could they use? And they were putting a weird emphasis. The only the only other person it could have been is Deidre's like assistant, like her little, um, mm-hmm. like yeah, a guy who looks like Tarkin's little brother. Yes, Tarkin's little brother. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, it could, but I was like, eh, that's not that's not what I like. He looks too much like Tarkin to to turn. Uh, it so and this guy looked like a like a eh, like a nice guy who's just trying to help out. So it worked for me. But his realization that um, his realization that he's willing to sacrifice him for fifty um, guys because he believes that his job as a spy is that important that it's worth fifty lives. It was like a whole like you know Star Trek deals with the whole the needs of the many outweigh the the needs of the few or the needs of the one, and then they discuss mm-hmm. how the needs of the one might outweigh the needs of the many by bringing back Spock type thing. This, this like explores that in Star Wars and just does it perfectly. I mean, it, he, you see all the emotion go through his face and his realization, maybe mm-hmm. I am worth it that much. And, and him saying, you know, if you don't do this, there are millions of lives or billions of lives at stake. But if you walk away, it's just one life that you're saving. Or 51 mm. lives, I guess, if you count the 50 guys who don't die. So it's like, oh, man, right. was, that, was that hitting moment. Gosh. The way this show deals with like life and morality yeah. and presents these questions is unlike any way that I've seen in Star Wars before. And that type of storytelling, to get to that level, uh, just huge props to the writers. You think about the way that like Andor is a character, the first time we see him in Rogue One... Um, he kills a dude. Yeah. Just like, uh, kills a dude. Um, and he's killed people really as needed. In this show, he kills a bunch of people. He yeah. kills, well, he kills the guy who is going to, re- going to betray them yeah. after the job on, um, <clears throat> Aldani. Yeah. Yes. So after that, he also, so in this, ep- in this episode, in episode 10, he has a chance to kill all the Imperials in the control and room. And he doesn't. Right. But he doesn't. That's a, that's such a like a paradoxical thing because yeah. they both, you know, I'm sure Kino, you know, would want to kill, especially like their captors. <clears throat> but Cassian doesn't kill for a personal reason. He kill when he does kill. It's for he needs to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, the 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 juxtaposition of the lives and the worth of them. Man, that was that was com- very complex. Thinking about like. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. Thinking about uh, why don't we go to uh, uh, episode eleven, the daughters of Ferrix. Uh, sorry, my the lights on my on my desk started flashing. I was oh, like, 
Okay. And it made me it made me lose my train of thought. The uh, <clears throat> yeah, we should move on. Yeah, um, daughters of Ferrix. I thought that uh, uh, I think that you know the the episode with or the, the scenes with uh, Saw and um, and and uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character uh, were just superb in the way that he does the whole surprise mm. and the way that he gets in Saw's mind and makes him think, oh no, maybe maybe there is a spy. Maybe he's yeah. the spy. Maybe maybe he set me up, and then he's and then he basically goes to prove, I'm not. I'm like you don't have a spy. I don't have a spy in here. Like he 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 does it perfectly in such a way to actually win Saw over. And you see one how Saw can become so paranoid, but you <coughs> you also see uh, how like and so you see how impressive it is to to make Saw believe you. So I, I, mm. I loved that scene in, at 11. That's, that's I think, le- looking back on it, it's the standout scene for me. If, if Saw is a 10 out of 10 on the paranoid <coughs> scale, yeah. what, what is Luthen? On paranoid? See, he's just so smart that if he's worried that someone's going to like come after him, they're probably actually coming after him. So I don't think yeah. he's paranoid, really. Like, maybe two. Okay, so what what would you call though him having to go after Cassian to kill him? Uh, that's just him being strategic. So okay. Saw's more about like uh, uh, his making a point, and uh, you know, like we we were going to rebel because we're going to rebel, and we're going to do it because we're the right guys to do it, and everyone else is wrong, and we're right. We're the only way to do it. So Saw's all about just making his point, making his making his manifesto. But uh, Luthen's all about, hmm, I can use you for this and you for this, and you guys have different ends, but they both work for me and my ends. He's more, he's more like a puppet master. He's more uh, uh, thinking long-term. He's got, he's got long-term plans where Saw just has short-term plans, and that shows the difference mm. between their characters and ultimately why we like Luthen better. But Luthen himself does not does not dictate like he as a rebel falls short of the morality set by Mon Mothma and by others. And, you know, by Baal, (coughs) those rebels and their, their humanity is what we get presented in like return of the Jedi um, and things. And, and even in to some degree, just when we see them in rogue one, Mm -hmm. really not too long after this, their humanity and their morality and their values, even though they do argue about, you know, whether or not they should or shouldn't, they have this, you know, binding thing. And Luthen, while he's far more <laughs> easily to, to, to fit into that than Saul would ever be, Luthen is somebody who just has too much of his hands in the dirty or it just or getting getting his hands dirty. And because of that, I, I wonder and I kind of think it makes him cooler. I think as a character, he's awesome. Um, we like that. But man, isn't it isn't it great how this show makes things so hard? Everything is hard. Everything about forming the Rebel Alliance is we have to do it perfectly. We're, it, we're every single step is so calculated that if it wasn't just done precisely, then it's all it's all over. And how many times are we going to see this show? tease us 
where the rebel alliance almost never gets formed or gets snuffed out before it even really gets going. Mm -hmm. And how even, I mean, even a new hope, I mean, you know, Luke blowing up the Death Star was, you know, a complete (laughs) like fluke of just the force (laughs) stepping in, like the will of the force. That's, that's how you explain that. You know, that's, that's it. That, that type of scenario where, you know, they steal the plans, they get the plans. Luke gets the plans, like <laughs> the Obi-Wan. There was all the will of the force there. But those those moments that we see in this show, I just I just love how difficult they make things. Um, so talking about more of uh, <clears throat> more of this cool, the uh, <laughs> the force must have been a little bit with um, with Endor because these two aliens, which is good to see some weird aliens after they catch him, they're like, yeah, we don't like the Empire either. We'll let you go and we'll just take you somewhere. <laughs> so they just had to tease us with that. And then uh, they, they get out of there. I don't know. They, it was kind of good to see aliens. A quick backtrack. Did you have any issue with the prison just being humans? Because to me, I was like, nah, that makes sense. They, you know, everything's the same. Because they're building the same, all the cells to be the same. You don't have to feed a bunch of different species. Exactly. It's just like. Also, like it I made had sense. already pretty much like resigned myself to the fact that, you know, people who, for a lot of people, and this is a conversation I have with James, my brother, that you know he was really d- bothered by that the series as a whole did not have a lot of aliens, and that the series as a whole did not explore the traditional Star Wars themes like Jedi, Sith. Um, uh, lightsabers, force, that type of stuff. And I, I get that. But to me, why that, why, why it's okay that it doesn't is because to me the Star Wars universe is so huge that you can have niches in there, that you can have things that right. different people like. That's what the books, there are so many niches in the books and comics, we're getting even nichier. Like, there's so many niches in Star Wars and yet it can all fit. And so doing a story that's mostly human allows mm-hmm. the writer like Tony Gilroy to tell a story that's so good. If he had felt like he had to include more aliens, I think that he would have gotten more nervous and maybe he wouldn't have delivered as excellent a story. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm okay. What you with- said, like a small person can make a difference. Any yeah. part. I mean, if you're talking about the Jedi, I think there's a big conversation about, you know, okay, well, Maybe Andor feels a little bit different. It's it's not the same Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I think Rogue One feels that same way right up until the moment you get to Darth Vader. Yep. That's it. <laughs> it feels the exact same way. It's the the tone matches completely, um, which is a tone of like these are just a bunch of uh, dudes who have no hope of winning, fighting against like an entire you know it's like we're going up against the U.S. government. Yep. And we're just a bunch of dudes. Like, you know, sitting out here in Texas with our, you know, our underground bunkers and, you know, our, and our rifles and stuff like that. That's that's a poor uh, but similar analogy. I mean, they're they're hopeless. And in so many ways, they have to just have small heroes. They have to have individuals willing to sacrifice everything one person at a time just to keep the flame of hope alive. And that flame has to survive just long enough to get those plans to Leia, to get those plans into the hands of Obi-Wan, to get them to Luke so that he can save the day so that he can redeem his father so that he can, you know, 
kill the Emperor, restore balance to the Force. Like, it's those small choices that make Star Wars new in a fresh way. We really love the big characters who can kill people with, you know, lightsabers and use lightning and everything. I love that, too. But these small characters, that's not boring to me. That's real life. That's inspirational. If If you look at that and you say, that doesn't reach me on a human level, then... Why aren't you letting yourself connect with these characters? Like Star Wars has normal characters. If you were in Star Wars, Jonathan, you you and I would probably be like <laughs> bartender droids or something. Right. No, <laughs> and, well, I'd probably we were, be a musician. I would be a musician. Yeah, you'd be you'd, you'd you'd be one of the ones doing the the marching, and I'd be I'd be probably one of the observers on those balconies. Uh, uh, probably from the. During during the the funeral and the. the last you'd be episode. reading the memoir. Yeah. Yeah. The memoir was amazing. I loved. I lo- that was so well written, um, and her and and the speech. Oh that, my gosh! I know we're jumping ahead to the yeah. finale. Any, the finale is uh, we, we let's let's get to the finale. That was fe- that's the wrap stuff this there. up. You get the torture stuff. All the torture stuff was cool. Uh, more bics. Um, we got the whole thing about Takeoma. And his, you know, wanted to introduce his daughter or his son, yada, yada. That was all good. Hey, I will say this. Um, costuming, everything Mon Mothma wears, is like, especially the blue gold. Yeah. And it, oh, my gosh. Everything they wear. It's so, the Shandrilin colors must be like it's, blue and gold. And she, but they're and she so noble and royal. like Mon Mothma. There's never an outfit that she wears that I'm like, Mon Mothma wouldn't wear that. Well, it's because we only saw her in this white white robe for no, thirty there's, years. There's one point where she's wearing, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. But she also she wears something that basically looks like trousers, but isn't trousers. It's actually a skirt, but it's designed to kind of look like trousers. She has that in one scene, um, uh, and that worked really well because the design of it fit with the the design of her other ensembles. So, yeah, you're right. The des- the design team and the way that Coruscant looks so different. From the prisons, which looks so different from Ferrix. Like, Ferrix has this feeling to it, this griminess to it mm. that works. It's very grimy. So well. It's very it's, grimy. It's, yes. Okay, best scene in that episode. The episode's good. It's all, it's all good. But what makes it amazing is Luthen's ship at the end. Holy oh, yeah, with crap. The, with the, with oh, the my gosh. Lightsabers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. One one we haven't really seen a you know a great space battle. There's not been too much action, but this one was so good. Like one we had the jamming uh, stuff. Like he's totally just taken him by surprise, and I love the uh, the officer's face as he's just like oh, I'm in so much trouble. We just got demolished, and yeah. he take out like four tie, tie fighters. fighters. Yeah. Oh man, so. <clears throat> Of course, Luthen's Luthen's a one bad dude, but his ship is amazing. One of the coolest looking ships, only only further further improved by literal lightsabers that can cut through Tie Fighters at the sides, you know, spinning in like Inquisitor fashion. So really, really well done. It turned out love that was a good trick. Oh, oh. Anakin would have loved that shit. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. He, he, he would have abused that line, too. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, the finale, uh, Rick's Road. Yes. This is... Um, I, I, I just... I don't know of a better example 
of a finale for this type of show. It wasn't at all what people wanted, and yet it was perfect. Hmm. It it wasn't like, hey, here's the Emperor and Vader and Tarkin and all these things that you, like, we've been saving. We're like, oh, we'll give them to you now. No, this is not that type of show. Nope. You're not the, this is not the type of show where everybody goes, oh, this is the type of show where all of the little things finally come to a head. And you know what made this show for me <clears throat> or this episode? It was the faces during the speech. Yep. yep. The emotion. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. The, the acting, the, the emotion, the we're ready to fight and die. The, the, it's, it's, it's all come to this. And we're, we're putting it all on the line. We're done. Oh, my gosh. Well-written speech. Great performance by the, you know, by the actress. Um, what was her name? I Harry's, Harry's stepmom. Harry's stepmom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised when she died. I was like, really? That's all we get of her? I thought we'd get more out of that actress because she's such yeah. a good actress. And then we got that speech. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so that's why they yeah, got her. That's why they got her, yeah. You Marva, have to deliver yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. All right, I, I'll find um, her in a second. But Yeah, oh. so what did you think of like going back to some of these characters like that we got in the first two, three episodes. So I didn't really remember the, uh, there was one guy that tried to betray and turn in Andor, who ended up dying later, but he was in the previous episodes. I just didn't remember him very well. He was just kind of there. Yeah. Um, I did remember Andor has a buddy who kind of, he's the guy who holds the brick and everything, mm-hmm. but that buddy had covered for him before. Really, really liked that guy. I think he, was, he escaped later in the episode with, um, with uh, Jez. Um, so that, that's great. Bix, oh my gosh. It was so great to see Bix back. It's going to be really cool, like the, the way that they've shown her torture. I want to see her recovery now. I want to see, you know, how, do you some, how does somebody recover from that? Like Star Wars taking the time to show a, a normal person going through the post-traumatic stress and trauma, trauma of torture. And imprisonment, Shaw, and, by the way. and yeah, even the guilt of was the information I I told like used to hurt the people I love. Um, how many people died as a result? Th- that type of thing. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and and the 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 way that it built properly. And by the way, hats off to the score. It's a very different type of score, but it, mm-hmm. the score builds in both the the Kino dialogue scene, uh, his speech, and also during. Marva's speech. The the music mm-hmm. builds in just the proper way to give tension. We all like we spent you spend the entire episode knowing stuff's about to go down, but mm-hmm. you don't know how or how much. Like you you you're like what's gonna happen? Uh, but you know something's gonna happen, and they keep delaying it and delaying it and delaying it, and then finally it builds up. I thought, oh, oh. Just, just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I man, that music, um, the flutes. So a lot of times you see, <laughs> just small rant, but so many times instruments on screen are like one, they're not actually played by right. actors who know how to put their fingers in the right place. Right. Like they're not even doing the right embouchure or holding it the right way. And he, like when we see them warming up this episode, it really, I was like, man, those. 
might actually be musicians. They look to be actually warming up. Like yeah, that's just, this is cool. It looked that and you know. The, so it was very unbelievable. We have no idea because. <laughs> There are no right fingerings because that's a nonsense instrument. Well, I definitely saw like three valved instrument. Like I saw, definitely I saw Star Wars French horns. Yep. Uh, French I horns. saw some French front facing baritones. Some mm-hmm. look like flugels or maybe a cornet of some type. Mm-hmm. And obviously the flutes. Um, man. And the, the snare drum definitely it looked like a marching drum. <coughs> it did not sound like a marching drum. So that, yeah. that was off. But the flutes were, were yeah. really, really well done. I, I, hit me with the thought. I was like, oh, man, I guess they were practicing, like, the night before because this is really good. And they're, like, coming down different streets. How are they How are they lining up the time? Like, exactly. Oh, well, it's Star Wars. It's That's Star Wars. okay. I, um, my, my mom was convinced that the flutes were really guns. She was like, oh, they're, they're like, they're, they're secretly guns, uh, that they're, they're, they're doing this, and they're just going to go, pow. <laughs> and I was like, mom, you've seen too much of Mission Impossible because that's, that's a thing in Mission Impossible, <laughs> that the flute's a gun. And I was like, it's like a, it's like Will Ferrell in in uh, what's his thing, the Anchor Man, the, the flutes like shooting fire out the side of it. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, but the, no, but like uh, when she she was like, I was like, I don't think they're part of that, but the 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 way that they came down from uh, the shots they used of them coming down the steps and coming from different angles. And all mm-hmm. converging on that one point, it actually kind of reminded me of Dune um, when they step out of the ships uh, in, in in the Dune movie, uh, which was also a moment that really got me. Where they're using instruments, mm. so but it was like it just you you were you were with them. You were like, all right, we are here for the funeral, and you did not want to. Any time they cut away to where the action was happening of Andor and the Hizzle chase stuff. Or Deidre, or anything like that. You, uh, at least for me, I was thinking, no, send me back. I want to see what the funeral. I want to see what the funeral's doing because mm. they they put all the tension there because you felt like that's where the big stuff's going to happen. Yeah, well, Luthen's there. You've got um, <clears throat> Cyril and yep. uh, his buddy uh, Park Moth Moth Mark. Okay, La- forgot his name. Sir Irish um, guy. Yeah, yeah, Irish guy who drinks at the end. Um, <laughs> Not a stereotype, everybody. Not, a stereotype. Not but but very true. Um, <clears throat> you've got so you get uh, obviously Luthen's there. You've got um, Dedra. You get some. You get some dark uh, dark troopers. Uh, or sorry, death troopers. Those are death troopers. Death troopers, yeah. They're get death them, troopers because so. they die. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty cool uh, seeing them. I don't. I don't really see them do any fighting. No. They they are supposed to protect uh, <coughs> Dedra, and then the th- the second things go awry, um, which uh, by the way, uh, Pac at the beginning, um, man, he and his emotion at the face. Oh my gosh, I loved. I knew it was a bomb from the first from the first minute of the mm-hmm. episode. I was like, that's mm-hmm. that's a bomb. I was like, there's no question that's a bomb. And then, <clears throat> but the emotion during the speech and just as it grows in his face and as he throws it, well, very well placed to have. Knocked over a whole bunch of other uh, bombs, um, <clears throat> which then exploded. Lucky him. The uh, yeah, um, it made me made me think because I I feel like this is the type of show where we can actually we can actually ask ourselves like questions like this one. So the Empire at first was only using riot gear, and we're not blasting. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Felt purposeful to me. Yeah. 
it felt it felt legitimately like okay, we're gonna keep this riot, and that was interesting. That's like hey, we had the other we're stuff not, in case they needed it. Yes, if we need it, we will kill people, but we are not going to yet. Interesting choice, and I felt like it was purposeful. So, what do you think that tells us about the empire right now, or the choice to do that? Is that all because of Dedra? I know she was like, "Please, please, we got to make sure we get prisoners." Well, I feel like the Imperials aren't. I, I feel like Imperial leadership—they're usually portrayed as bimbos, but it's not like they're not like dead. They're not Joffrey levels of stupid. They know, right? If you just start blasting people in a riot, that's gonna be way worse than if you use riot gear and try to break it up like the normal way. Like, there's a reason in most riots around the world, even tyrannical governments, typically just use riot gas. Uh, uh, they typically This is an interestingly gas. timed uh, discussion based on really? yeah. what's, go- oh, what's going my. on in a certain part of the world right now. Exactly. Um, China. Uh, um, no, but it is, it is, it is China. interesting that even in most, like, I'm sure there's probably <laughs> maybe some killing going on there, but in most riots, in most parts of the world, it's, the, the, way, it, the way it works is, um, uh, like, you, 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 you just use tear gas to break it up, because you do not want to be responsible for murdering people. And if you do, it's, uh, the, if you do kill people in a riot, it's only the people who are doing the absolute worst. And so the Empire has that portrayal here until the bomb goes off and then they're like okay no we're firing we're they've they've lost it we we have to and so i thought that that was you know it was realistic as you've been talking about it it, it felt real it felt like <clears throat> that's a natural thing to happen and we didn't see the conclusion of that we just see um i guess we see the irish guy uh the lieutenant basically drinking so <clears throat> The, what is the conclusion? Probably both sides kind of withdraw and retreat. The people go back to their houses. The Empire kind of collects their stuff, and they're like, all right, let's get out of here, or we're going to bring reinforcements. Like, something, you know, obviously they're still looking for Cassian, and they're definitely going to chase him, and we're going to chase probably Jez and uh, the others that are fleeing. Um, <clears throat> but, man, it's a mess. It is a absolute mess. And the same type of mess that Cyril get blamed for, <laughs> the first Ferex incident, Dedra's going to have that on her hands now. She's going to have her superiors over her, and they are going to be on her case about this next, you know, and Cyril's going to be the person that she's probably going to turn to, like, I know, I did everything I was supposed to, too, and this is what happened. Um, it makes, you, it makes and, you think, man, Cyril, your, your defeat was not that bad last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, compared to this, you know, he lost a few people. She did way well. That, I mean, I don't know that all of it was Dedra's, but and no, she's brilliant. She really think, is. Thing, I don't think it's her fault necessarily. She did everything to set it up properly, to plan accordingly. She had all the plans right. It's just that she couldn't do everything the best. Although, what's going to get her is it was her decision to say, yes, uh, uh, give them the permit. That's what's going to get her. That's, that's the one thing that well, they can point to yeah. and say, if you had not but done they, this. But they had already broken the permit by, like, there was, like, 100 people right at the start. They were like, 
you know, the Empire could have right. stepped in and said no. Right, um, but 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 she that's that's the argument they'll use is they'll say, had you given not given them that permit, they would then none of this would have happened. because um, you mm-hmm. needed you needed it to happen there because you needed to be able to put up that huge hologram. Which, by the way, <clears throat> holograms in this episode. That made me happy. Like the sound when when the camera pans up, yeah. and you saw the outline of the city in hologram form, and you heard the hum of the hologram, and it sounded just like it sounded in the Clone Wars TV show. I was like, mm, mm. "That's some good ASMR right there." Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> that's an interesting drop of that term. Um, <laughs> I was actually thinking to myself, like, man. Uh, Good old droidy boys must must have him some like Bose Bluetooth speakers in that rusty <laughs> yeah. old body, you know, right. projecting this everywhere. You know, he's he's down there having a get having a you know a big he's got his you know big subwoofer or something to project your voice as to everybody to hear it that low. But you know, it's Star Wars. I'm yeah. sure that they can figure out that stuff. Um, and the uh, the hammer yeah. guy. Uh, oh, I love the hammer guy. Oh, that was so important. I <laughs> gotta bring over. him back. I leaned over. And when he kills the stormtrooper, yes! He killed him the wrong way, though. He killed him the wrong way. What should have... This is more absurd, but this is what should have happened. When the stormtrooper comes up, he should have thrown his hammer at the stormtrooper, hit him dead in the face, and it should have ricocheted, and he should have caught it and hit the thing again. Like, that's that's more bizarre. You gotta... You gotta take the the stormtrooper. This is a, a you know a new hope callback, and you like grab him by the head, bonk his head into the hammer, and then throw him off. You know. Okay. So yeah, that too. But, but I, was, I was just saying. <laughs> and I then have the you know Wilhelm scream. Ah! You know. Yeah. Gotta have that. They didn't, I don't. I don't think it was the Wilhelm scream. I think it was like a, a variation. But uh, the no, I, I just think, I, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. But I was saying we you yeah. need that. I don't think. The, it was. I, I, the I think kicking it him either. down though, it was it was satisfying. But I was like, that's not what you should have done. You had to do something with the hammers. <laughs> uh, but it was still yeah. really cool seeing him get that kill in. Hey, going back to Dedra. So this whole scene before everything goes down, um, <clears throat> you know, they talk about Krieger. Obviously, Krieger failed. They killed all the people, and uh, <clears throat> you know, Dedra's like. You should have gotten prisoners. We can't do anything with no prisoners. And that's when... Uh, yeah, with uh, Pratigas. Paul Pratigas says, you know, if you want a dialogue with the Emperor, you have to catch Axis. That means your so, theory was wrong. She... My theory? You didn't... Weren't you the one that said your theory was that, that uh, Bix is going to give away that Axis is... Um, uh, Krieger, and that when they kill him, then uh, Luthen will feel like he's in the yes. clear. That was the yeah. I, I think I think the way that that scene is interpreted, <clears throat> I was like maybe she'll say yes, but it's clear now from the way she was fighting, she was she wanted to say yes, but she couldn't. She was too broken. Like yeah. Bix was in a place, like we don't know what that type of suffering's like. But she was so afraid that when Andor goes literally to rescue her, she's like, "We can't, we can't go." They, they're, you know, she's afraid to leave that room. Yeah. She's terrified, and it took like the explosions and everything just for Andor to get her out out of there safely, um, to even convince her to go. That's that's just some some intense like mental abuse. Um, <clears throat> but you're right, the Axis stuff. So, you know, Deidre, she's focused on capturing Axis. Like uh, obviously, 
my theory was wrong. Was wrong. She doesn't know who he is, um, but she, that's why she's like, "We got to get you know." Andor, he's the key. He'll take us to Axis. We can just you know interrogate him. So if she did, and if she did, yeah, she would probably have led to Luthen, and the Fondor would be uh, would be over. I don't know. That could be tricky. We haven't talked about um, so Mon Mothma doesn't have much this stuff, but she does have this really cool scene where they're trying to throw off the spies. Um, yeah. What did you oh, make of this was, whole, this whole you know gambling thing to throw off the trail? That was really clever. I thought I, I saw it as soon as she started it. I was like, oh yeah, she's doing this for this. Uh, I I thought it was clever. <clears throat> I'm I'm still I'm still confused. Like, what is she gonna do with 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 Perrin? Like, is she? I I was hoping to get something more definite. I wanted Perrin to turn like full bad. To for her for him to just continue being a blithering idiot, or for him to join her in some way, and he didn't really do any of them. Like I don't know, I don't know yet. He's still she's she's only been pushed a little bit. Like yeah, she hasn't been pushed the way people in Ferrix have. She's been pushed into order. Like I have to marry off my daughter to this guy that's probably you know a scumbag in his dealings. <clears throat> But she's not like, oh, my family has to make a choice to do or die right now. Right. Um, so so that's that she, can that can wait, and we'll probably get that in season two. Probably. I was, I was just like, uh, I don't. What know, did you to, think of the whole uh, Canto Bite reference? Like, <laughs> okay, some <laughs> go there people were going do your debauchery. But, but the thing is, it's like, okay, she needs to reference a gambling planet. We have a gambling planet. <clears throat> And I know some yeah. people were like... I was fine with just, it. I was yeah, fine with some it. Some people online were saying, oh, it's so wrong because it brings up the foul stench of The Last Jedi, which <laughs> to me, me is not that. But also, to me, I'm like, look, the way in-universe stories work, the in-universe story, it's already happened, all the elements are there, so you may as well utilize the world building and what you can from the in-universe story to help you with other mm. things. So making a reference to Canto Bite here helps. And it's it makes it so that he doesn't have to make up a whole new gambling planet. And if they had, we would have all been like, we wouldn't have gotten it. But when they said, she said, you should go to Canto Bite, I was like, okay, I know exactly what, they were, what, the, what she's making a reference to. Yeah, I think, I think I'm fine with it. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, as they're escaping... Um, we get, uh, we get this, this scene. So one, uh, Pac, the, the boy who built the bomb, he's on there. He survived. So he's good. We get Bix. We got, um, Cassian's friend. We got B2, the droid. And then the pilot, uh, her name was Jez. I just only remember it because it sounds like jazz. I think that's, that's all that I remember. Yeah. Is that right? Was that her name? I don't know. <clears throat> and I, so they mentioned some place that they're going to try and escape to and yeah. all great. I was like, okay, so setup is Bix is like, he'll find us. He always finds us. Um, Cassian will find us. And she's like, yep, I will find you. <clears throat> uh, so obviously maybe some kind of reunion next season, season two. Yeah. And then we get this final scene short, but to the point, because if you understand, the arc in their last time that they, they, they stood in that position where they're at, it would make perfect sense, you know? 
Did you did you feel like there needed to be some more dialogue that last scene, or are you happy with how short it was? Like no, I was as far as I was happy with it. Um, I was just thinking there. You reminded me that there is one thing that this show did not address that it needs to address. Like there, there, like most like uh, this season wrapped up what it needed to wrap up and left tidbits for the future. Like it did a good job with all of that, but it it. There's one thing that was brought up at the f- beginning of the show that was never addressed really again. The sister. The sister. And I was <clears throat> pretty much thinking, well, I wonder if they're setting Bix up to be the sister. Because we thought that, like, there was, like, a hint of that at the beginning, but we were like, no, it seems like they have a romantic relationship or, or, or something. If it's not a sister or something. Like, it's, it'd be too obvious for her to be right under his nose the whole time. So... Uh, I, I I abandoned that thought idea. But then when they put so much emphasis on her in the torture sequences and him rescuing her and all this stuff and him telling her, you know, she, her saying, he always finds us stuff. I was like, okay, are they setting up the reveal that she's the sister? And but they dated, though, so that would also be weird. <laughs> it would be weird. It would be weird. I'm just saying, like... Probably would come up, like, that, you they know, need they to, had the same history, but... They need to address the sister subplot in season two. I mean, we didn't find out about Jon yeah. Snow's uh, real parentage until like season six or seven. So you can, you can wait, you can put it off, but it How needs to be How dare you reference that, that abandoned plot thread by Dave and Dan. Oh my god! Although at least they got it right. Like that's the right move. That is the right, that is the, that is the correct choice of who the mom and the dad are. That is the well, correct yeah. choice of them. Well, of it's course, just what but... they did with it was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but but still, better. my point is still that you have to you you couldn't if they had it would have been even worse if Game of Thrones had just never addressed it if they just left it left it alone like they need this this show needs to address the sister whether she's dead whether she's just we're not finding her or whether it's she's Bix <clears> or <throat> she's someone else that he meets like they need to do that mm. but the going back to your point about the end scene it worked for me because they didn't need to spend a whole long time talking. Uh, I think that they'll do that off camera, and we didn't need to rehash all of the stuff on, on Narkina Five. Like we we mm-hmm. just needed to to get we needed the show needed to wrap up. It was ready for it, it was ready for its epilogue. Right. There's no mention of credits. There's no mention of like paying me. Nope. No. Andor's He's done in. with all that. He is fully on board. Um, Luthen. By the way, uh, note to John Favreau. And to um, <clears throat> uh, Rodriguez too. That's how a speeder is supposed to go, not oh, oh. like a little Vespa bike. <laughs> By the way, that reminds me. This finale made me think so much about the Book of Boba Fett finale because both shows had a similar trajectory. We spent a lot of time on this one planet. In fact, we spend even less time in Andor on this planet than we do in the Book of Boba Fett. I feel like, uh, mm-hmm. however. Book of Boba Fett has a finale that is small scale in uh, this like couple of streets. And mm-hmm. this show has a finale that's small scale in a couple of streets. This feels more satisfying than the Book of Boba Fett finale does. And it's just interesting how both of them weird. are... It's so too, weird. And, like... and, and, and there was a bigger show that went small and... 
uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett is a small show that was supposed to go big that didn't, that stayed small. Like, so it's just so weird how they can have similar and different trajectories, and yet one di- they both did it's the like, same type of ending, and one worked and one didn't. Why did we not treat, you know, why did we not treat Cad Bane with full episode long treatment or with full season long treatment, like to build him up, to, to make him there throughout the whole time. I mean, if you do that, it's so much more meaningful. (coughs) Um, the way, yeah, this, so Andor, the show itself has done so many things, right. That, uh, and I, I admit that there's things about it that I am not always liking. I didn't love the sound of the guns of the blasters, and yeah. I didn't. I wasn't sure that I liked the design of them. They looked a little bit off to me. Um, yeah. I mean, it, there's some stuff in this that I yeah. Um, I think Star Wars Theory was talking about like screws and bricks, um, and it's like you know some of the things in this show. Like, what did we talk about? We talked about the real word, the real word cusses, right? Yeah, I didn't like those. No. I was like, yeah, you got Star Wars cuss words. Use those. You know, there's no reason to to use like whatever real words we have. Even in this episode, um, <clears throat> when uh, Miva, you know, she calls the Empire bastards, you know, like kill these bastards. You know, that was that or was like that was the them. only that should have been the only swear word like real. Like, yeah, that's, I would have given that a pass if yeah. they had gotten yeah. rid of the others. Uh, and I still will give it a pass, but the others, you know, with the S words that we got like that was yeah, just like, yeah. does not, does not fit. That's you trying to be edgy. That's you trying to throw in your, the way you talk, the way Hollywood talks. Like I, yeah, I, I didn't like that, but mm-hmm. that's not enough. The things you're describing is just not like when your story and your characters and the way it all fits together works so well. I'm okay that these little details didn't work down here. Whereas mm-hmm. me too. I yeah. feel like you could like where I feel because like some of the details of Kenobi worked great, but the whole story is what didn't work. And that's why it, it ranks lower for me. <sighs> yeah. I, I love that. This is the type of show where we can look into the details and they're particular and every, every line of dialogue was on, on purpose mm-hmm. and they didn't just, cover like they didn't redo things they didn't say a single word that wasn't on purpose they didn't yep. put scenes in there for no reason mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and they did, obviously we talked you know they didn't have to wrap up each episode like a like a neatly you know bound package it was cut in some weird places but this is a streaming service where we can binge it at this point and when you go back and watch this in the way that you know probably pe- people will now and just episode by episode I don't, I don't see validity to the argument that Andor is a show that is lesser or somehow different. Like it's not Star Wars, or it's it's not worthy, or it's. Some people even said it's boring. I'm 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 I don't think there's validity to that. I think, yeah, it is. It is not a story of superpowered heroes. It is a story of the type of heroes who have to have faith to go out with no heat, no powers. Uh, the guys like, you know, Porkins who die in episode four because he's, you know, just a guy who's out there trying to fight this death star in a star pilot. You know, those are the guys that really 
That's what made up the rebellion. It wasn't the big guys. And that, well, I didn't mean to make that fun. Uh, uh, family guy made him way bigger than he actually is. But, um, <laughs> but the thing, like, I, I just tell you to those people, I'm like, guys, if you think that Star Wars is about just the big fights, the Luke versus Vader, those those type of redemption stories are 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 important on a galactic scale, but you don't get that point. That doesn't happen without Ferrix, mm-hmm. because I feel like Ferrix, this this episode, is the type of thing that's going to be massive. As if as big as Aldani was for the Empire, and and humiliating for them, well, and they're coming off this big win. Oh, you know. Stallhouse or uh, whatever the thing that they're that they're like, hey, Stallhouse. we got them. Uh, Stallhouse, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, we got them. We're all good, you know. They're going to be doing this celebration, and then all of a sudden, the second Ferrex incident is going to be everywhere. This is going to be the spark that we see in season two. Like, they're probably going to even try and like with the media cover this story up, you know, um, because this is this is people. Rebelling, not just like thieves, thieves stealing for the empire. You know, they're going to they're going to they would broadcast that. But yeah. people uprising and like a firefight in the street of a mob. The only way they do that is if they like find a way to paint all these people as what terrorists, as, yeah. you know, evil protesters, as January 6th. I mean, I mean, I sorry, <laughs> as uh, get, get some trouble. <laughs> uh, we should move on. <laughs> So, um, <clears throat> uh, first we'll say, how would you rate each episode of the three? Good question. And Good then question. Um, we'll talk about how are we feeling about the season as compared to some of the others shows that we've gotten. Maybe you don't have to give it a numerical to the others, but just thinking how you're feeling about them overall. Okay. Let me, let me score 10. Yeah. Episode 10, uh, one way out is... Nine and a half out of ten. I, I'd go with really, that. I'd really say like good. Nine and a half. Yeah, I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. It was really, really stinking good. Yeah. Um, Daughters of Ferrix. Um, pretty good. The last scene makes it better. Eight for me. Yeah. Uh, finale eight, eight is a solid nine. Yeah. <clears throat> I I I think I think I I'm in lockstep on all of those. Yeah. Nine. Nine to you know for the you know the really really good stuff in the middle would be higher than that, but yeah. as an episode the whole like the the stuff that didn't work for me is is Vel and Cinta. Yeah. I'm just not I'm not in on that at all, oh, and we oh, didn't even talk about I, him. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? We were watching it, and I got nervous watch because I was watching it with my whole family. Um, that they were gonna uh, like lesbian kiss. Yes, <laughs> and so we're 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 watching this, and I'm just and I'm just like. I did not oh, see. Please I, I looked at social media ahead of time, and I did not see anything about the two of them doing anything because, like, that would have trended. So I was oh, like, okay, yeah. that didn't happen. But then, when the moment Vel says, uh, "Come away from the window," uh, my mm-hmm. mom she just starts saying, "Don't you dare! Don't you dare!" <laughs> <laughs> And we were Your like, mom. oh my and, mom. Oh, it was hilarious. And then, and then the second the scene cut, we all just went, whew. <laughs> we don't have to oh, we don't gosh. have to go through that. We don't have to we don't have to boycott anything. Whew. They they did just the right, but we were we were nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um post credit scene, 
uh, cool reaction to that. So maybe I would give the finale up to like nine point two five or something like that. Just yeah. it was very very solid finale. But you know, to me, as my retrospective, like <clears throat> Mandalorian season one and two, I think season one is unquestionably better than this. Yeah. Just without a doubt better than this mm-hmm. because it has it has stuff that's quintessentially more of the the big Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um and and, and for sure season 2 is season 2 of Mandalorian has all the easter eggs. Season yeah. 1 is the standalone. Yeah. Season 2 is the okay, now we're we're really making this universe huge and big and yeah. we're we're going all out with this like now that season one was good, Disney has given us the go ahead. We can use the big characters. We can do the big things. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, this show was this show is better than Book of Boba Fett. Um, this show is better than Kenobi. Individual moments of Kenobi. Um, yeah, obviously anything with anything with Vader and, and Obi Wan was good. Was great. Um, I liked some of the Leia moments, but this is better. This is well-written from beginning to end without any weaknesses, and it's just better. Yeah. It's a better-written, better-produced, better-shot show. And, yeah, it tells a story in a totally different way than you'd expect from that. It's a different type of Star Wars, but it's no less important, and it's no less Star Wars. Like, I'm still more excited for a Mandalorian or Ahsoka or whatever... Yes, I am too. Gonna be. I am and too. I still enjoy like watching, like the process of watching some of the other shows, even process of watching Kenobi or process of watching um, uh, Book of Boba Fett. Like that's a, it's a different type of process because it's the Easter egg. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What are we going to see? Who are we going to see this week? Uh, what, what big thing are we going to see on screen? Whereas this, it's a slow burn it's more of uh, the, the dialogue and stuff. But I think this is so well done. Um, uh, and for, as you said, it's very hard to compare because they're so different mm-hmm. in style. Like Those all feel like they were made in a singular style together. Whereas this yeah. Yeah. feels like it's like... And, but still quality-wise, yeah. I, I think it's in the middle of the three. But like if you're talking about like dialogue scenes... This is the best of the dialogue we've gotten sure. in all sure. Star Wars, or at least all the Star Wars li- uh, live action television. So, I would say, yeah, I would agree with that, and I would say it's the best, the best shot too. Um, absolutely. Okay. The uh, it never felt like we were really on sets, or that the, we we were like stuck <clears throat> on like the volume, or like because they didn't use the volume, but like we never felt stuck like that. Right. Right. Um, and it's totally just a different genre of storytelling. Yeah. Um, will I be more excited for Andor season two than I would, um, you know, let's just say either one of the things you mentioned. No, no. Um, but, but here's the thing that they could do to make Andor hit with everybody. Just give us in season two, a little bit more of those big things. Like, the Emperor just a little bit. Yeah. The thing about Rogue One is because I, I went back and watched rewatched Rogue One after seeing all of Andor. Oh, really? I loved... I did. I did. I thought, okay, what's Rogue One going to feel like to me 
as somebody who before Rogue One is just not my star, favorite Star Wars movie. Um, it just wasn't. Um, <clears throat> going back, rewatching it, I loved Cassian more, and uh, I honestly I I enjoyed a few of the things. I enjoyed Mon Mothma's stuff way more. Yeah, I was like, that's great, you know. Um, I even enjoyed the stuff with Bale more. I enjoyed the little stuff about like because there's a little clip they have about. Don't you have a friend? Yep. Oh, I'm gonna, you know. I would trust and it's, you with my life. Yeah, like after after Kenobi, you're like, yeah. you know, exactly. It felt even more weighty, but that the Rogue One does not. It does not to me. The the whole first two thirds to three three quarters of this movie, like of that movie, they feel like they feel like Andor, but not as well written. Andor is better written than Rogue One to me. And then the ending of Rogue One is just Vader. And you're like, oh, squee, everybody loves. This is amazing. But it feels so out of nowhere when like, and of course the (laughs) battle stuff is really, really cool. Really good. Visually, it was great. And all of the stuff that we're like, oh, yeah, we know this. Rogue One, uh, we get up there. Oh, now we're at like, you know, Gold leader, red leader, red five dies, all of these things. Okay. Like, can you um, imagine, so, can you imagine, by the way, if we had had, um, if they had brought back Gareth Edwards to direct this series, keep all the writing exactly the same, but make Gareth Edwards direct, because I think he just brought this youth and vitality that, uh, that worked so well for, that's one of the reasons Rogue One works so well for me, is like, it's like the pure fan who gets it. Like, he just got a lot of the fan stuff um, in that movie. I, hmm. I would have been interested to see if he comes back. He, he's not coming back. They announced all the directors for season two. Did not <clears> recognize <throat> any of them or any of the work hmm. they've done. But Tony Gilroy speaks for them. And I was That's like, okay. well, season one directors work totally fine. <clears throat> so as long as you're involved. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we'll do, I think we'll do more, like, retrospective Andor. But yeah, yeah. this is a good talk. This is a good, good wrap-up. Um, were you in agreement on all of your rankings, or did you have some differences from me? Nope, nope, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on all of it. Now I need to go watch uh, Rogue One, because I haven't done that yet. Ah, <clears throat> well, I, I think everybody will enjoy Rogue One more. I just don't know how much more. Yeah. So, I don't know. If you love that, you'll love... I don't know. There's The parts of it that still didn't work for me, still didn't work for me. Yeah, just the parts, but the parts okay. that parts. Now we're great. The parts with Aunt, well, yeah, the parts with Cathian are way better. With Cathian, 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 Prince Cathian. We're about to watch uh, the new Willow show that's coming yeah. out. We got uh, excitement that. for that. Excited for uh, for uh, Wicket. Give me, uh, give me that score. Give me, give me that James Newton Howard. Uh, it was oh, the original, man. the original was James Horner. Can't wait. But the new one's James Newton Howard, and I'm excited to see what he does with it because he's a good. I love James player. Newton Howard. Oh yeah. He's he's great. He's collaborated with a lot of the greats mm-hmm. on some good soundtracks. Yeah. So okay, all right, very good stuff. We'll be back to talk about Tales of the Jedi, right? Yeah, assuming our schedule works out, yes. Tales of the Jedi should be next. Um, awesome. Uh, and if it all works out, cross fingers, we'll have a guest. But again, we've Hope been promising so. it. We promised that for all of Andor. We were like, hey, we were like we're gonna I'll have just guests throw the for all the episodes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll just, yeah, there's a lot of people who are behind that are friends of us on watching these things and have not caught up. Shame! Shame on you. Or there um, were other friends you that, catch like, up. I don't, that, that I talked to that were like, I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, okay. They, just, mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't feel comfortable talking about this like they did other shows, so. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm really glad after Andor that we got it and that it that it was what it was because, yeah, it. Please give it a chance, yes. and realize that it is what it is. Realize what it's trying to tell you, because you can you can tell yourself going into it you're not going to enjoy it and you won't. Mm-hmm. But if you realize what type of story it is, yeah, and prepare your expectations, you will really really love it. It's 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 a special show. I agree. Okay. All right. You can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Stitcher. You can find our uh, Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. You can find my uh, YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn. Uh, You can find my uh, written book reviews for Star Trek over at Roku Depot. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine.